Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for and with ebay guaranteed fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's time for Barreled Up by Ball Cap Sports. Here's your, here's your, here's your host, Jim Wiley. Welcome to the Barreled Up Podcast. Everybody, thank you for joining. We have a really fun podcast today that I am excited about. Two guests are very high profile in the MLB community on YouTube, on social media. So I'm excited to dig into baseball and, and chop it up with them. Uh, I want to remind everybody to turn on those automatic downloads so whenever the content is posted to the feed, get it and you don't miss anything you can grab this podcast wherever you get your podcast on the odyssey app apple spotify you name it it is there all right without further ado i would like to welcome in bailey from foolish baseball and i would like to welcome in mike from stark raving sports gentlemen how are you uh i'll start i'm doing very well uh i think it's very kind of you to consider us high profile I think I'm probably medium profile at best. I also do want to point out, I like how at the bottom there it says Foolish Baseball and Stark Raving Sports Show. And that means you, you're speaking for a lot of people right now, Mike. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what you bring bring to the podcast here. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, kind of a one-man show at the moment. Let's hear it. Uh, also very glad to be here. Thank you very much for having us, Jim. Uh, looking forward to you know talking some shop and talking some ball. Always a pleasure to do that. Now, the last time we were all together... You guys were participating in a baseball game against the Sock Puppets down in Burlington. I was assisting with the broadcast. Um, how would you assess the performance that day? It's been a couple months, but I feel like I, I saw how the game went in Portland, and I, I think the North Carolina crew held it together pretty solid. Let me just say, having been to both of those, I think that I can be like a human measuring stick for how we did. Yeah. Year one, we had no hits in the Sock Puppets game, yep. and we gave up 13 runs in three innings. This year, I think we gave up 13 runs in five innings, which is automatically you know pitching and defense improvement. Mm-hmm. And we had three hits and a real run, which I'm never going to shut up about ever, considering that we are just you know Joe Schmo, and mm-hmm. we went into Division One talent and left with something to write home about. So I think about that experience practically every day still, if I'm being transparent with you guys, just because like, think about it in a vacuum, what we did, we went out there and played impersonated baseball players with real baseball players. And, you know, put up a better showing than like some real teams doing games comparatively speaking. So I actually did a little research on it uh, just the other day because I was curious. The the Sox Puppets, they lost in the championship game. So they had a pretty strong team again this year. Yeah. I think they were the defending champs coming into this season. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, as someone, you know, I mean, Mike might feel like he's not a real baseball player, but as someone who has a career 25% contact rate in Appalachian League play, you know, I could say, uh, you know, we, we, we tried our best. And uh, I, I do want to shout out uh, Cole, a uh, good game bro, for being both the MVP on the field in terms of uh, helping us manufacture our real run and then also for uh, uh, his production uh, quality skills because uh, he's uh, responsible for the video that's on the Momentum channel now. And I think it's just passed a million views and has, you know, all of us participating in this game. Yeah, he stepped up. That was a big game. That There were some big moments there for Cole, no doubt about it. So let's get into taking taking a, a several steps back a little bit. Uh, again, you two uh, are, are very well-known on the, in the YouTube community and the YouTube space. I, I'm curious, I'm sure a lot of people that are listening and, and watching are curious about how, why you started doing this? What was it that led you down this road? I I started because I felt that it was wrong that Fred McGriff wasn't a Hall of Famer. That's got me started years ago, and then I did nothing for a while, and then I, I picked it back up again. Let's start, uh, Bailey, let's start with you. What got you started? Why are Why are you doing this? Yeah, well, first of all, you were you were right about Fred McGriff, and that's been rectified. So you need to find a new Thankfully. case now. Yeah, uh, yep. that's the way to go on that one. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so for me personally, I think it was just this has been just a marriage of like two different passions I had in life, but never really combined until I was an adult. I'd always had a passion for editing video, and uh, you know, I remember one of the first uh, computers we got had uh, like Windows Movie Maker on it, and I remember playing around making like home movies on that uh and that it's just sort of you know progressed to the software i use now is still the software i used when i was like you know 13 or 14 so i've really been editing video for you know at least half my life and then i've also you know loved baseball i i was born uh you know to two parents who were you know big atlanta braves fans it was the mid 90s it was a dynasty going so you know i just never knew what i never knew a time in my life where i wasn't a baseball fan and wasn't an atlanta braves fan um and then as far as combining those two i you know i just think you know, for me, it started with the video game out of the park baseball. Uh, I, you know, those were the first videos I made were basically tutorials on how to play the game. But uh, it was just something that was probably, you know, if you were to examine the beats in my life, kind of a long time coming. But uh, yeah, I started uh, doing a YouTube channel about baseball. Again, two passions I always had, but uh, didn't really combine until I was about 22 or 23. Mike? For me, it was, for me, it was just like I was 17. Uh, I had seen a lot of, you know, you know, kind of the new age, like lighter internet-y way of storytelling, particularly in like internet centric news and stuff like that was the way it was back in the day. I was going to graduate high school and there's all of a sudden out of nowhere, I had the idea of like, hey, what if people talked about baseball like that and mm -hmm. took a very light approach to it, tried to make it relatable for everybody, try to have both the baseball diehards and regular folk try to be interested in the same topic and i knew i was going to need help to do it because there was no way i was going to pull off you know the schedule of being a full-time creator right from the jump when i was 17 and i had college i was about to start all that so i put together first team fast forward over six years later it is now a fully fledged content group business company all the words you want to use the big boy ones, the small boy ones, everything still applies. And I'm really blessed and really proud to have that be the extent of my life now is that I get to entertain people and talk about baseball. I'm going to circle back to you about that in a minute. But first, I want to know, and we'll, we'll sort of slingshot background. So we'll go Mike first. What was the first video where you went like, oh, oh, okay, this I, I, I'm good at this. This works. This could be something I can keep doing. This gives me credibility. Was there a video or maybe if there's a video that comes out, comes to mind a, a time when you had that sort of that. Oh, moment. I would be lying if I said anything other than the Sid Finch video, considering that that was just the premise of that was simply, how do you take the most unbelievable baseball lie ever told and fool people again with it considering that anybody who like puts a microscope to that story knows it's not true so the creative challenge was like 
how do I fool people 30 years younger than the people who are originally fooled and right. like also tell the story and do it organically. Mm -hmm. And it's closing in on 5 million views in a little over three years. So as that was happening, you know, that's not an overnight thing. It's like, wow, this is like legit. Like this is like mm -hmm. the same thing you were talking about before. You're looking at how it's growing and how you're achieving the premise of the video on such a big scale. And, you know, by my standards today, that is not a very well-made video at all. I, right. I've come a long way in developing the content since then, but I'm still really proud of what I was able to achieve, the scale it had, and, you know, legitimizing that that's not, that kind of stuff was possible for me at the time. There's something about seeing that first, those, those first spikes uh, on the on your YouTube algorithm when you're watching that like minute to minute or or, or or 48 hours or and you see that jump it just there's, there's such a gratifying feeling to that uh Bailey how about you yeah I mean it was a it was a pretty clear-cut moment for me as well uh you know I'd started with out of the park baseball I generated probably about 800 subscribers off that was getting a few hundred views per video and um uh, I was I got to a point where I was a little bit bored with that, and so I wanted to try something a little bit different, but still very much in line with what baseball nerds would be interested in. Uh, and so I made uh, Baseball Bits, which is sort of the video essay series that I still am known for today, and I think most people probably know me for that. Uh, yeah. First one came out, got a few hundred views. Second one came out, got a few hundred views. Third one was about Justin Verlander, and uh, that was the one that took off. And uh, uh, I remember... Uh, I was working as uh, the weekend manager at a homeless shelter at the time uh, in my hometown, was doing that part-time. So I would go in for the weekend, mm -hmm. hang out with a bunch of homeless people, uh, you know, uh, make sure they had like dinner taken care of, make sure they were doing their chores, all things like that. And by the time I left, it was the day after I'd uploaded, but I had a video with 100,000 views. And I was just like, this is unbelievable, you know? And right. I remember going home and telling my parents like, I made something and a hundred thousand people watched it, you know, and uh, a few days after that, uh, Justin Verlander tweeted about it, uh, which was a pretty incredible moment. Yeah. And yep. uh, from there I was, everything started to snowball pretty quickly. Uh, you know, I, my channel got monetized not long after that. Uh, soon the paycheck became greater than what I was making at the homeless shelter. And uh, even though that's not necessarily the video that took me full time, it definitely sent me on uh, the path to where I am today. So I'm very thankful yeah. for that one. And uh, uh, like Mike, I can relate a little bit, you know, it is definitely amateurish by my standards, but I always have a, like a, you know, soft spot in my heart. Right. Let's you, you both do this full time. What was your last job job? And Bailey, we'll start with you. Was it, was it the homeless shelter or was it? it yeah, it, it would have been that. I'll tell you what I what I was going to do, though, long term, like long term for me would have probably been like some sort of like grad school master's information science type deal. So I was probably on the way, my way to being like a librarian or an archivist of some sort. So that was the road not taken for me. There you go. Mike, how about you? I feel like really pompous saying this, but I've never had a real job. Mm -hmm. uh, it's always been like stuff in baseball before that. Yeah. Like my path before this was I was director of analytics at a division one baseball program. Like right. I was going that route and it's just I love the opportunity that I have now to do Star Graving Sports and see that to the fullest and run the business of that. Like everything is finite in the world, let alone this industry. Mm -hmm. So once I fell face first into the opportunity to do this and people could enjoy it and I could put food on the table for myself, I was like, I want to see this through as right. long as it goes. Um, Bailey, you have also launched Foolish Bailey. Why the split? Why not just keep pumping everything into foolish baseball? Um, I, I, obviously, there is a when when you watch the videos on the two different channels, there's a different. I mean, it's it's more you, right? It's you on foolish uh, foolish Bailey. Was that the mindset was that foolish baseball is going to be stories? Foolish Bailey is going to be me. What what was what's the what's the thought process spinning off a second channel? I, I think that's a great way of putting it. Uh, you know, and I had. On my Foolish Baseball channel, I had a, uh, a spring training trip I did. It was in 2020, right before uh, the COVID and then the season delay and all that. 
and I remember I like I worked pretty hard on it. I mean, I flew down there, interviewed players, filmed my experiences at I guess four or five different teams, and I put it up there. And uh, I mean, compared to the views I was getting on Foolish Baseball with the normal baseball bit stuff, it was like maybe a tenth. And I was thinking, yeah. oh, mm-hmm. like that was was like was that a waste of time for me to do all that? And um, I definitely informed the decision to sort of spin off foolish baseball into a separate foolish bailey channel youtube is tough like sometimes i think in the short term it feels discouraging to try something new because if if, you know you build up this core audience and then if you do something that alienates that core audience or is different in any way then they're gonna be less inclined to click on it and then the algorithm is gonna be less inclined to pick it up so yeah i mean you put it beautifully you know foolish baseball that's the home of baseball bits that's the home of you know, statistical analysis and storytelling. And Foolish Bailey is me. It's personality driven. I do a variety of content on there, but the the common thread is that it's me. Yep. Mike, you have, you talked about it earlier, you have a, a, a group of people that work on Stark Raving Sports with you. Um, talk about going down that road because that is, that's challenging. Certainly the, the challenge of, you know, balancing your life and, 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 and putting out content that you want to put out is a challenge, but I would almost argue that it's even more of a challenge to go on and and bring on a staff. Talk about what that's like, because I'm solo. Um, a lot of YouTube creators are solo. Maybe they have an editor or they have somebody work on thumbnails for them, but you actually have a staff. Talk about that. I like I said coming into this project, I was like, "There's no way I could do this by myself." So I wanted mm-hmm. to find an initial group to, you know, put some other people on a pedestal too. Try to have, yeah. hey, if you don't like me, there's a bunch of other people you can like that are similar but not exactly the same. We have a lot of people that get from A to B that that are like it's the same end game of like fun, lighthearted, or interesting sports stories. But everybody gets from A to B in a different point, which is something I'm very proud of. Managing it is pretty fun. You have to look for, I like looking for not doubling up on the same type of person right now these days, because I like offering a different slate of content for people. Yeah. So like I said, it's it's as simple as, hey, if you think my content is bad personally, take your run of the litter. We have many more options to give you and many more great people to do it for. Because right. business school also taught me one great thing know your limitations. You have core competencies. I have things that I'm good at. There are people on the squad that maybe don't have the same strengths. There are people on the squad that have strengths that I don't have. So having that all come together and come to be a cohesive unit is something I am really proud of. And thank you for asking that because it is, I'm never going to pass up an opportunity to speak on how well the team does, not just me. Very creative people over there working working for you. Um, I know you've got you've got a good staff over there. Um, we're kind of doing this origin story. Story. I, I got one more question on it. Um, Diaz, where do they come from? Is it just you're watching the game and oh that just hits you? Run with it. Do you have ideas that come to you randomly in the night? And you write them down and you've got a long list of ideas that you're just kind of getting through. Mike, do you have meetings? with the other guys and talk about what you're going to sort of focus on. Let, let's start with uh, Mike. We'll sort of slink back around to Bailey. Where do the ideas come from? Is it, is it planned out? You have ideas that you're working on that are six months out. What, what's the idea process like? Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Funny that you mentioned, you know, the late night bed type thoughts things. That's how the channel itself started was one of those. Uh, For me, I know if I like an idea in about two seconds flat, because then the gears will start turning in my head. I connect it to other things. Think of joke ideas already, that kind of stuff. Like it's almost immediately after I just think of something randomly or read a story or anything, or I'm on some guy's baseball reference page. I'm like, hey, that guy was cool. I want to talk about him. Personal experiences, all that. As for your question about how everybody else gets their ideas, I try to make it very individualized with each person. I don't think it necessitates like the boardroom type meeting setting, something that like Tim Robinson would make fun of on I Think You Should Leave. Like we don't do those kind of things where it's just more I want to make sure each person has a smart creative lane to go down. We talk 
we bounce ideas off each other. It's a very like two lane street for how yeah. we generate ideas with such. And I think it works out pretty well. And it's fun that it's becomes, you know, I get to think of a funny idea or get to stumble on a baseball reference page. And then I get to devote a couple of days or a week to talking about said person. Bailey, I don't even imagine what yours process is like, considering that you get even deeper onto the stat sheets than we do. Uh, but yeah, it's always, it, there's no one way to do it as well right. with idea right. generation. It just kind of happens. Mm-hmm. Bailey, same question to you. For, for me personally, there's no consistency of timeline between when the idea pops in and when like actually try to execute on it. I mean, I have some ideas that it, it almost skips to the front of the line. You know, it's like, oh, I need to make a video about this right now. And then I'll have some ideas where I sort of build up the knowledge base over the course of a few months or a year until I'm really like comfortable with the idea of tackling this. Uh, you know, I actually what I'm working on right now is a, a pretty good example. I won't spoil too much, but it's an idea I had uh, at the beginning of the season, or at least during the off season at some point. Uh, I remember I emailed uh, uh, Katie Stats, Katie Sharp at a sports reference for a little help about it. Uh, a few months ago and only now am I really starting to get to work on that uh, so uh, the timeline there's really no consistency if I could you know look for any sort of commonality it's definitely an interest in outliers for me like you know you just go to like a fan graphs type website sort sort of the stat leaderboard who's the best at something who's the worst yeah. at something you know because I think I think generally uh, you know whether it's an outlier in terms of a player or a team or just an era of baseball like that's gonna be something that I gravitate to Cool. Let's real quick the 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 landscape, uh, YouTube, TikTok, short form versus long form. What are your thoughts on on that? I, I'm interested in that because you know, as as somebody that generally creates more long form content on my channel, I, you know, I most of my stuff is at least ten minutes long. Sometimes we we go much longer in TikTok is sort of uh, derailing attention spans because it's all shorts and, and, and YouTube now has uh, shorts as well. Your thoughts sort of as we move on or, or sort of just move on down the road with these different platforms, your thoughts on YouTube and TikTok, it, it, it doesn't have to be TikTok. Maybe maybe also Twitch kind of moves into play the live streaming that's more gaming and, and, and things along those lines. But Bailey, I'll go to you first. Your thoughts on YouTube against anything that sort of rivals it, like TikTok. Do you do you put much attention to it? Do you wait for it to sort of establish itself? Your thoughts? Yeah, um, I've I've learned a lot about TikTok over the last uh, year or so, and I even I myself would consider myself. Uh, in some ways a little old for some of the things that are going on around there like that's definitely even something for uh uh you know the generation uh, that's younger than me but uh you know one of my takeaways is i think if i were trying to still like get started as a creator right now tiktok and short form content that you watch vertical on your phone is the way to go right so yep. um you know, that's that's going to really help you like generate an audience and things can happen really fast on there where you make you make one short and you get 100,000 views or 500,000 views. And then you just, you know, you could really pump it too. like you can make something new every day. And that's really like exciting and dynamic mm-hmm. for me personally. I'm a little bit like obviously I'm always trying to grow, but like I'm kind of past this initial audience acquisition phase. And the questions for me are, are more like, how can I, uh, you know, uh, keep making money doing this? Because for me personally, like, I love creating long form content for YouTube. Mm-hmm. People ask me, oh, are you going to go work for a team? Are you going to go, uh, you know, work for a big uh, media company? Like, I don't think they understand, like, you'll have to pry this for my cold dead hands at this point. Like, I'm just in love with the autonomy and the independence. So my priorities are different, but if I was trying to grow, like, absolutely, I'd be hammering TikTok, hammering shorts. And, and this year I have, you know, at least just tried to make, you know, uh, a couple of those a month just to keep things fresh and introduce myself to people. Because there are people who, who don't watch YouTube. They just watch the TikTok on their phone and they watch, you know, 30-second uh, videos at a time and they're scrolling through. 
And I think I have things that I can kind of distill into 30 seconds and have interesting things to say. And I'm, I'm going to use those as a platform. But as far as like, you know, what I personally prefer creating for and as far as what I personally prefer consuming, it, it would be YouTube for sure. Yeah. Mike? There's so many ways to answer that. So if I'm all over the place, I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, I once heard a creator say that like TikTok is rewiring people's brains because like the attention span is right there. You get it consumed. It's very fast paced. It's not long form content. And I think that it doesn't have to be. You brought up streaming too. I think all three are very different skill sets, very different technique, very different ways to, to do well. And I think that for us, like we're always open to do more of these things, considering Stark Craving Sports is a brand more than just a person. So whatever we can to offer stuff in those lanes, if we if it makes sense to, we'll do it. For for TikTok, we've been doing that as well. And at first it was always, you know, like use the clips from the videos as a funnel back to the YouTube, because the YouTube was the most important thing. That's kind of what it was probably day one for the TikTok. But hey, we're if we're at a point now where it can be at any point standing on its own two legs, that's awesome. Because like Bailey said, there could be a whole new audience there. And if we take maybe pieces of the same content we do in long form, the ones that make the most sense to give like snippets or pieces of information on short form platforms, we've been doing that for about a year and a half now. And some of those do really well. It's just always, a, you know, that, that game of seeing how you can do with different kinds of content, what translates and what doesn't. To somebody, really, you 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 sort of alluded to this, but you know maybe you could hammer it home even more. But but we'll start with Mike. To somebody starting out, somebody that is sitting there is like, I want to talk sports. I love baseball. I don't know. I I, I want to get started. I don't know where. I don't know how. What would you, Mike? We'll start with you first. What would you tell somebody that is just trying to start out? Now, you need a lane that makes you you because there is so much saturation in the market now that if you're just playing it very straight or very generic and you have like nothing that like draws people to you specifically, you're going to get lost in the shuffle of how of 50 other people who are just like you trying to just start out. So if you have maybe outside influences, you combine that like you fuse different inspirations, you have a very outgoing personality that people are drawn to. You pick different kinds of topics. You, you go about it in a way that makes you different and you stand out because that's what's going to draw people to you instead of somebody else. Cause the only kind of competition there really is, I don't view this as competition with someone like you or someone like Bailey in the slightest. The only way it becomes competition is when you're competing for the click. So like if you have everybody's things at the same time, who are you going to first kind of thing? Right. Right. It's the only way it becomes competition. So if you're going to have to put yourself in, you know, those shoes, what is, what is the audience's reason to pick you? That's the question mm -hmm. you have to answer, I think. Yeah, I've always felt that if somebody else in the space, like Robbie Hyde and I, we are doing very similar things, but we're, we're friends. We collaborate with each other. We pop on each other's channels and streams. If he's doing well, then I'll probably be doing Like the, the audience is lifted up when there are other creators in the forum. If, if, if they're doing well, that's good because then you get recommended videos. You get more videos of that subject that will, again, lead people to you because YouTube is going to say, well, this isn't that same channel, right? It is a similar channel. So you might like this too. So it all lifts us up if we're all doing well. Uh, Bailey, your advice to somebody just starting out. Well, I think I think Mike really nailed it. Uh, and uh, the biggest thing is if you are doing something unique, then there is no competition. I, I've made videos about Tommy Tevenow and Jordan Lyles this year. No one's I'm I'm not competing against anyone on that. If you you know, uh, but uh, I think one thing I would definitely point out, which is a positive, and I would just use to like encourage people, compared to a lot of other, I you could call them categories or niches. Uh, in, in the content creation scene, there's a pretty low barrier of entry on this one, especially with regards to the tech. Like I see you right now, Jim, you're on a Blue Yeti or something like that. You know, I'm on uh, a Shure microphone, but when I started, I was on like a $30 microphone. I'm still on this like $50 Logitech webcam. Mm -hmm. 
some some of these uh like niches i think the tech category price stands out the most there's like a real arms race there in terms of the production values and maybe that'll come to the sports youtube scene but uh honestly the sports youtube scene compared to a lot of others is still very much in its infancy and so you know if if you're trying to get in now maybe you're not getting it on the ground floor but there's enough where you don't necessarily have to commit a lot financially to really be uh competitive as long as you have something interesting to say yeah I mean, if you think you have something interesting to say, just do it. Jump off the cliff, go, whatever you got to do. I always tell people, I like that you use the word um, inspiration, Mike, because that's if somebody if somebody asks me when I go on uh, a, a newer YouTuber's channel or somebody that doesn't have a lot of subscribers and they ask me for advice, I always tell them to be inspired and look for inspiration everywhere. And maybe there's something that someone's doing you could do it different you could do it better or it could spin you off in an avenue that you didn't think you were going to go down until you you know were exposed to what they're doing let's talk some baseball let's talk specifically 2023 baseball let's start on a positive note let's start with the good the best of 2023 now it doesn't have to be a specific player specific team a, a moment it could be rules it could be whatever Whatever you feel is you have enjoyed the most from this season. Again, team, player, new rule, whatever it is. Um, Mike, let's go to you first. Um, what have you enjoyed the most about baseball in 2023? Dude, I'm going to die on the hill that the rule changes rock. All of them. Mm -hmm. Like, I love, love pitch clock. Do I think that it's perfect? No. I think right. that... The concept of it, you could argue, is the best thing baseball's added in about 50 or 60 years. Mm -hmm. I think that the shift ban, is, if you're going to call it a ban, is definitely helpful. Do I think someone like Luisa Rise pushes 400 in June or July without it? No, but of course, Luisa Rise is a freak who's probably hitting 380 uh, this year with or without that. And the stolen base jump is something that's very exciting to people. I wonder if that becomes like, you know how football stats change when it's like 17 games on the schedule? I wonder if it's like, oh, this is the era where just like stolen base stats are just so inflated. Right. Like mm -hmm. even like relative to even like the 70s or something like that. Yeah. I just think that the brand of baseball we have right now in Major League Baseball is, is the best it's been in a while, like big picture. And I'm excited to see what that looks like with even more positive tweaks. You know, I, I, think, I think you nailed it. There's the modern era. There's all... I think we'll have whatever, maybe they'll call the new rule era because I don't think this is the end of the rule changes. No, I, I see at double A, they've got the pre-tacked baseball at triple A. They're challenging balls and strikes with just a tap on the helmet and they're overruling within seconds. So the new rule era, and this is really just the beginning of it in, in my opinion. And I, I, I agree with you on that. I think that has uh, really helped Bailey best of the season so far for you. I don't know if parity is the right word, but I think the competitive balance is just a lot better than it was, uh, let's say, pre-2020. Uh, you know, we, we got to the trade deadline this year, and this is, I think, partially because the playoff has expanded, which is something that I was initially against. Like, I, you know, when it went from 8 to 10, I wasn't happy. When it went from 10 to 12, I wasn't happy. And I'm sure, you know, the I'm sure the owners are going to, you know, lobby to bring it to 14 uh, just because that's more playoff games, more revenue. Um, but, uh, right now where it's at, uh, competitively, it's great because you get to the trade deadline and there's more buyers than there are sellers. And, uh, I think, mm -hmm. you know, we were seeing like a real gap open up in the league between the haves and the have nots. There weren't a lot of like middling teams, really. You were the greater, you were terrible. And I think now you see like a good like spectrum and you see these teams competing for wildcard spots. They're not strong in every area, but they're strong in enough areas that they're interesting. And so that's the aspect of it that I really enjoy. Even even the best of the best right now, the best team in the league, the Atlanta Braves. On paper, I don't know if they're better than like the 2019 Astros or the 2017 Dodgers were. Like those teams were so good, but part of it is because the worst teams were so bad. And so I think that's kind of uh, changed up uh, a little bit. And uh, you're just seeing like a, a good like variety uh, in terms of the quality of the teams right now. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you've got teams that, you know, come into the season, they're 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 trying 
a little bit harder because they don't have to win as many games to get into the playoffs as they did a couple of seasons ago. And I think you're right. I think we will see more games because even though that first round bye is nice for, you know, getting the number one and the number two seed and, and advancing and all that, it's it doesn't help you out financially if you're an owner and you're trying to get that gate that first round and get an extra round. Uh, I think I think those that that's probably coming down the road. Let what about a favorite player? Uh, Bailey, we'll, we'll start with you. Has there been a favorite player to watch? I've, I mean, it's been exciting to watch Ellie De La Cruz come up. Ronald Acuna has been from the start of the season. He sort of announced early on that this is my season. I'm I'm going to dominate. Has there been a player that you have really enjoyed sort of keeping uh, keeping tabs on or watching? I'm gonna say Hassan Kim. Uh, Hassan Kim has been a great story this year. I think the progression we've seen, you know, his first year in the big leagues, you know, he he was brought in because he had such a high defensive floor and they loved how he ran the bases. But the question is, how do you adjust to MLB pitching from KBO pitching? Because even that's, you know, uh, a decrease in quality compared to, say, a hitter coming over from NPB like Yoshida. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, his first year, he didn't hit very well. His second year, he was they called him the father that stepped up because he was in uh, Fernando's place. Uh, but uh, he was like a slightly above league average hitter. I think it ended up that way. This year he's just awesome in every facet yeah. of the game, mm-hmm. playing incredible defense, runs the bases. Great hits. Great. And uh, you know, the Padres have been weird in, in how they've been disappointing. You know, they're, they're like a big, like run different run differential underperformers and they have a terrible record in one run games, despite the fact Josh haters, their closer and they can't win an extra inning game. So things haven't quite worked out for them, but you look at a season, the guy like Hassan's Hassan Kim's having and then the way he's been embraced by the Padre faithful. Uh, he's definitely a player that stands out for me this year. He's a guy that we started to see come around late last year and, and, and during the postseason. those things sometimes carry over, you know um, it's important to watch Watch these games. Pay attention to these players right now because you may see somebody starting to take some strides right now that, you know, MJ Melendez for Kansas City had a terrible start to the season, been a little bit better. Maybe this is his uh, carrying off point and he'll have a, a breakout 2024. Uh, Mike, how about you, player for the season? I mean, is there any any doubt here? There you go. Right, right. <laughs> uh, Randy Rosarena, for those of you who didn't see me, you know, put my graphic tee on the screen that I wore to the recording. Uh, I love, I don't care what the stat line looks like at all with him. I think that his level of showmanship, his level, like organically, I think that his ability to rise to the moment is unparalleled. I think that if you saw the World Baseball Classic and you saw like how he was, especially in the Japan game, if he could just convince himself that every game had the fate of the universe on the line, Randy Rosarino would be the greatest player who's ever lived. Yeah. And I love that he's still, you know, all-star level this year. He's one of the best players on a pretty good team. He knows how to entertain people, and he knows how to do it in a way that mostly doesn't piss people off, which for baseball is very rare. And I'm proud of baseball for not being upset that Randy poses at every home run at third base. Mm-hmm. I think it's awesome. I think it's fun. I'm usually drawn to guys like that. And for someone to also have a pretty good year on a good team behind that, I think this is Randy's world, and when we get to October, we're going to be stuck firmly in his world. I can't wait for playoff Randy. I also hope, and this will kind of lead us to our next, and we're going to get to where you go negative for a minute. We're not going to spend too long in negative land, but we will. I hope the Rays, despite whatever's going on with Wander Franco's future, Randy needs a contract. Randy needs to get locked in. Randy needs to be there for a long time, and maybe with some clouds around the future of of wander the rays even though there's money that they're probably i mean look you can get insurance on deals but that's not going to cover this kind of stuff that's that covers injuries um i hope randy gets paid let's speaking of and we don't have to go down that road for worse stuff we can we can stick to like on the field stuff unless you want to go down that road what has been disappointing in 2023 to you? There's a lot to choose from here. Uh, Mike, I'll start with you because I think I might know where you're going to go, but I won't spoil it. Maybe you'll go in a different direction. Um, disappointing part of 2023. What's been most disappointing? I think it's the lack. 
uh, the lack of correlation between spending and winning for a lot of these mm -hmm. teams. Mm -hmm. Like you expect me to say the Mets. I think it's way bigger than the Mets. I think it's San sure. Diego. Yep. I think it's the Yankees. I think it's like you could throw Toronto in there considering they're only the third wild card team and they have a pretty high payroll these days. Yep. I think that I've always been of the opinion that spending is really good for baseball. I think that trying is something that every team should do. I disagree with you guys a little bit in that I think the floor is still really low these days in terms of parity when Oakland and Kansas City are doing nothing but embarrassing their fan bases every yeah. single day. Yeah. And I think that the top end of that, if the alternative to, you know, fix the problem is to spend and try and be good. And that is not working for a lot of the teams they're doing. Maybe even throw the angels in there of these mm -hmm. teams that are like really trying hard to make something happen. They're trying to put together big groups that are meant to win and they're not winning. I think that really disincentivizes trying and you have a lot of teams, you know, trying to half measure it a little bit because they think yep. they can get away with it. So I don't like where this goes. If like none of those teams make the playoffs, I'll say this, the, the, the parody uh, comment, there are really only two teams that are completely dead and not just dead for this year, but dead for next year too. It's Kansas city and Oakland. Colorado is going to convince themselves that their next year's Arizona. The Washington nationals are going to convince themselves that their next year's Miami's Pittsburgh's going to do this. Pittsburgh's going to say, we're, we're, we're the next, we're the Reds next year. So I, I, I think that the parody element is there really only feels like there's two teams that are dead. Detroit's going to convince themselves that they can make a run at the central next year. Anybody can make a run at the central in the American league next year, but you're right about the money thing. And it isn't just the teams. It's those, that the, the, the shortstops that we saw this past off season, uh, Dansby Swanson, is maybe going to be the only one that makes the postseason, right? Xander Bogarts, uh, not so much. We're, we're, we're seeing the all the money that was doled out for those shortstops. Carlos Correa is probably going to make the playoffs, but he has not been been uh, worth the money. So, yeah, there's 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 the um, the ammunition for the owner that wants to say, I don't need to spend money. Look, look, we do spend money. Exactly, um, I hate that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the worry. I'm with you on that one. I worry about that right along with you. We know we're going to hear that. We're going to hear that in the season, and we're going to hear that in a couple of years when we get to CBA talks. Uh, Bailey, how about you? I mean, the worst thing is Oakland A's. I, that's, that's just a dark cloud that's been hanging over this entire season. Uh, you know, the Royals, to their credit, I mean, they have, like, interesting young players. They just haven't been able to develop them into a good team mm -hmm. yet. What's happened to the Oakland A's is, I mean, it's just so negligent. Uh, I just hate it for the fans there, and um, you know, I, I don't necessarily feel like the move to Vegas, uh, that's impending is going to even work particularly well for them. Uh, there's a lot of hoops they got to jump through to make that happen. And I don't know if that's a place that's, that's ready for a, for MLB team. Um, and, uh, you know, this is like a really, uh, proud, uh, organization with like a really rich history and just, uh, uh, you know, for everyone involved, it, it's just a huge bummer. And I think, you know, we talk about like, uh, oh, how great baseball is this year and how healthy the league feels. But when you have one franchise uh, that's going through with what they're going through, it, it just everything feels kind of incomplete. I agree. You have chance of sell the team. I mean, it is um, it is rather embarrassing. It is. It was the 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 uh, what they called it is escaping me. The the reverse boycott uh, boycott. Right. Where they pretty much sold out the, the, the Coliseum and they were allowed. And, and it was, um, it was impressive to see that many people come together and actually execute and pull that off. Cause sometimes you can hear about that. You can get flyers for that, but then nobody shows up. So you good job by Oakland fans to, to, um, to make, to make noise like that. Is there a player? Is there a player that has that, that sort of stands out to you as, disappointing on, on this on, on this 2023 stage bailey we'll we'll start with you the texas rangers are awesome and fun and jacob Degrom's not a part of it and look i maybe it's i should have chosen like an underperformer and someone who's hurt but like that is That's just okay. that is just it's just so hard because you know they went out they splashed the cash on him they have a great team this year and yet he would have uh you know really completed it and you know they to their credit they've gone they've gotten pitching help at the deadline 
um you know not just not just uh scherzer but i mean montgomery had a great start for them a couple days ago so um yeah. uh but yeah it's just it really stinks that the best pitcher on the planet uh can't stay healthy you know yeah. i agree i mean it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a performance thing yeah the injury injury bug definitely uh constitutes as disappointing it's not for the performance but for you know the the just the unfortunate nature of it uh mike how about you can i give you an outside the box one uh, i'm gonna Go give you it. miguel cabrera because Two I home wish. runs this year. He had his second home run the other day, and he looks surprised. That's not what I mean, and it's more than like <laughs> this is it for Miguel yeah. Cabrera, and he's yeah. not going to leave on a high note. I think that yeah. Albert Pujols leaving the way he did is going to firmly entrench his legacy as like maybe the second yes. best player of his generation or the best, mm-hmm. like depending on what your generation you're going to classify him as. Mm-hmm. I think that Miguel Cabrera, who is – who probably had an argument when I was 12 or 13 to be the best baseball player I'd ever seen. And he's going to go out maybe having an OPS plus of like 70. And I think that's really sad. And the power's all gone and it's on a bad team Mm -hmm. that can't really put anything together. And I think that that's going to confuse people when they look at how it ended for him, that it's almost going to put a bit of a weird funky cloud over the triple crown and being one of the best right-handed hitters there's ever been. I almost, I say this though, it, it it reminds me of going back to the pre-steroid era when you saw, when when most of the times, you, that's how you saw players go out. They kind of went out, they hobbled off into the sunset. They didn't ride off into the sunset. Albert Pujols rode off into the sunset. It was fantastic. And Miguel Cabrera is kind of following that older, uh, you know, way of it where he's obviously not the same player he was and this in my mind it it makes me appreciate what he was for so long because now this is where it's at it's over it is sad and it is disappointing uh, adam wainwright too now that you bring up uh yeah that's feel really bad that he's not gonna he's trying to make pushes to some of the big you know counting stats and he might not get there this year which it, if you walked in before the season you would have bet the farm that he would have hit some of these metrics but the year he's having i feel really bad uh for how he's going out i mean maybe he yeah. runs it back next year but that's still pretty sad to think about it'd be interesting to see what he uh what his hall of fame candace candace is candace is when we get there it would have been uh it would have been would have mattered but for him Yachty and Albert to all be on the ballot the same year, the first time. I I kind of wonder if maybe he would have picked up a couple extra votes because it's all subjective, right? The voting is subjective. They could have said, well, he was close enough, and it would be an amazing moment for the Hall to have all three of these guys go in together. That, that I could have seen that. Um, let's do some playoff predictions. This can be, this doesn't have to be a World Series prediction. It can be if you want it to be, but it could be a pennant race prediction, a team that's maybe in a playoff spot that you think is going to fall out of it or vice versa. Out on the outside looking in, you think we'll make it. Um, It could be a team that you, I, as this is this year's Phillies. Um, We'll go to to Bailey first. Give me a a playoff prediction for, uh, for October. I like the Cubs. Uh, they're they're playing some good baseball right now. Mm-hmm. They don't. They to me they don't actually have that clear of a weakness. Like I think the lineup is good enough. The starting pitching's good. The bullpen's good enough. They could definitely make a run at it. I think right now they're are they tied with the Giants like hunting for a wild card spot right now or I think they passed them. Okay, I, yeah. I I think I heard I was listening to uh, some some uh, MLB Network radio. Out driving around earlier today, and the host Mike Farron uh, presented the facts as the Cubs had had taken the final wild card spot. They owned that at the start of the day. Yes, they have. They've they've grabbed it from Miami though. Uh, so it's the oh, right, right. Miami and Cincinnati that are right behind them. Of those three, I, I, I do really like this uh, Chicago Cubs team. I feel like you know I don't like I wouldn't. I think the playoffs are still really crapshooty. I think, you know, very, very. even if you're the best team, you've got maybe a 20% chance of winning the whole mm-hmm. thing. So, uh, you know, but as far as a team that I think could make some noise, like uh, watching the uh, Morel walk off last night, 
Like Wrigley was just electric, you know, <laughs> yes. and that's that's an atmosphere you're not going to want to play in uh, in a playoff series. It's it's very true, and and the fact that he sprinted around the bases as fast as he did, like the Cubs players had to get out of the dugout, they had to sprint out of the dugout to get to home plate before him, because if they took their time, he was going to beat them there. Um, Mike, how about you? You know, I was going to say the Cubs when you first teed up that question, so I won't. Uh, instead, I'll give you. I think if your team has the letters M A R I N and S in it. You have a pretty good shot, more than people think, mm -hmm. which is both leagues. I think that the Mariners' top three can really hang, and that's kind of all you need when you get into the postseason is good starting pitching. Yep. And I think Castillo, Kirby, Gilbert is more than enough in oh, the yeah. short series. Yep. And, you know, the Marlins pitch, and the Marlins have pretty timely hitting, which is part of the formula you need. They have a weird magic to them this year that I don't think anybody would have pegged that this would be a year that they push for the playoffs and they're having a lot go right. And a lot of teams, when you're hot, you're hot. Yeah. So I think that if, it, if they can just, you know, stick the landing, if you can get a rise just to well, rise is hitting 240, I think since July. So if he, you know, writes the ship to be up to April, May, if you get jazz to, you know, play to his potential, you have Solaire and De La Cruz keep going and you got, you got a pretty good group on the mound. You got, Sandy, Lazardo, Yuri Perez, uh, Braxton Garrett's Pereira, been awesome. Braxton yep. Garrett. Like you've got something there that you can steal, especially in if you're in the wild card, all you got to do is win two games and then you go play a big boy. If you can get some momentum going on a team like that, I like what both of those with Seattle and Miami have on each side. Magic is real in baseball, people. Josh Bell shows up and there's that power that Cleveland was like, wait, wait, we that wait, where was that? Went to Miami. All right. Um, gentlemen, thank you. This uh, this was a fun talk about, about life, about life on YouTube, about this 2023 season, and, and everything all around that. So I do appreciate I don't know if anybody necessarily needs to know where and, and everything that they can collect your content from, be it uh, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, but uh, let's do it just to make sure we cover all of the bases. Uh, Bailey, where can everybody find your stuff? I'm going to start with TikTok, just because uh, we discussed it already. Uh, I'm foolish underscore Bailey on TikTok. Uh, otherwise, foolish baseball and foolish Bailey on YouTube. You can find the Stark Raving Sports brand at Stark Raving Sports on YouTube and TikTok. Twitter is Stark Rave Sports because, you know, character limits on ads. Uh, if you like me personally, you can just find me at, at SRS Mike. Fantastic. Gentlemen, thank you again for doing this. I do appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. I hope those watching the clips that find their way to YouTube enjoyed. I hope those of you listening on the podcast, you enjoyed as well. Those listening on the podcast, again, make sure to turn on those automatic downloads so you get the content as soon as it is posted. Thank you for finding your way into the barreled up podcast. Once again, everybody, I do appreciate you listening. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your ears and I look forward to catching up with you next time. <laughs> <laughs>